What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. For one, it's free. And there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So make sure you download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to Growth with Portia, a weekly conversation for your personal and professional growth. Here's your host, Portia Booker. Hey, listeners. Welcome to Groove with Portia. I'm your host, Portia Booker. And yes, this is my real name. So question for you, did you bring your curious mind today? If so, I don't want to keep you waiting. Let's dive in. So as we know, music is generational. But what about topics and songs, right? Does that fall under the same category as being generational too? How does that work? So today I'm joined by a tenacious MC slash vocalist from DC who combines his life experiences and perception of the world in order to create quality music that reaches each listener past entertainment. So welcome, Cooley the Guru with Porsche. How are you today? I'm well, how you doing? Living the dream. Every day is great that ends in why. So Cooley, for starters, for our listeners who are tuning in, what are you grateful for today? I'm grateful for breath. Another opportunity, man. Hey, uh, I hear it. You know, life in general. Yeah, you ain't kidding. I mean, you know, especially since we kind of went through the whole COVID apocalypse. I mean, <laughs> Cooley, you know how did mean? you navigate that? I mean, I know that you're in Cali now, but I mean, how is it out there? Is there still a lot of stuff kind of like shut down or is everybody like, oh, we're free like it's 1999? Oh, it. It's the Wild Wild West out here. Uh, half, half of us are, um, it's still COVID, so mask up. But then the other half is, I've been vaccinated, so I don't need a mask, this, that, and the third. So, you know, it's just durations out here. But as far as getting through it all, just different phases of self-care, whether it be physical exercise or mental stimulation, being reading or writing music. So that's how I got through it. Hey, look, I mean, you're right about self-care, Cooley. And, you know, talk a little bit about that. Outside of you being, you know, a musician and writer, what else do you do for self-care? You know, do you take a lot of walks? You know, because sometimes even us creative people, right, we have to practice self-care. So what's your self-care you know, routine? Uh, Mine is actually, uh, one of my favorites is to work out as hard as I can. So 
I find it more times than that, especially with COVID being faced with lockdown, uh, you find yourself being angry or displaced or emotionally unbalanced. And then because of it, you'll find yourself having conversations where you're yelling at people you ain't supposed to be yelling at or you're angry about stuff that's minuscule. So I started playing basketball real, real intensely. Like first, you know, I got my game up, you know, made sure that I was able to utilize the skills how I to, and then I playing other people. But it really gave me a, a it's like a chessboard for me, pretty much. When I'm on the court, I can see not just, you know, all the players and all of the, uh, all of the other um, participants, but rather I can see life in its whole. And when I'm on the court, pretty much I just take what I use on the court and move it back into my everyday life. And that's been keeping me balanced. Or that's one of my favorite uh, self-care methods that I use. And, you know, Cooley, I grew up in a basketball household. So I must hey. ask this, what's your shoe of choice when you play basketball? Kyrie's. I, I do, I, do, I get saucy, so, you know, I do a lot of left <laughs> right, so I shoes is going to stay with me. And so, Cooley, how tall are you? Can you dunk on every hoop, or? I'm 6'3", I'm dunking in the gym. Outside courts be funny, because there won't be regulation <laughs> all the time, so I'll be missing on the double rim. Inside, I got you. So are you good either in the paint or far away? Oh, mid-range shoulder. My bread and butter is in, the, in that middle part where you're guessing if I'm going to lay it up or I'm going to go for the three. In that little one second where you're thinking, I'm already up. <laughs> and so, Cooley, when you play basketball, I know you play with a team. Do sometimes you go and just play solo to kind of like, you know, practice your skills, like little tricks and things? Oh, yeah. That's uh that's where I actually found the meditation aspect of basketball for me. You know, just focusing on your skills, repetition, uh, focusing on certain muscle groups, like really putting intent thought into action. It, you know, translates over into your real life where, you know, if you're about to write a song or if you're about to go out for an evening, you put that same mental preparation into it so that you can get the best outcome out of it. So you're kind of creating songs and beats based off of your basketball dribbles, right? I mean, it'd be like that sometimes. Sometimes it'll be uh, the rhythm of the bus moving on the street. Sometimes it'll be just the way the street sounds, whether it's sirens or it's just people out there. For real, for real, it's, it's, a, it's a frequency you can tap into all around. My songs just really come from loudest frequency. And I love that. Touch a little bit more on that, Cooley. So you're, how did you start your music career? I mean, did you maybe as a kid, you grew up in the busy city life and hearing sirens, maybe gunshots, you know, people yelling up and down the street. What sparked your interest in music, Cooley? Well, it was a combination of two things. Uh, one, being from D.C., Togo was the only music I knew for a long time. I didn't even know rap existed for a while, so uh really having that influence seeing how the music itself would influence the people around in the city and all of that really touched me but then the other half was um I was a big hater of Lil Bow Wow um, when I was young <laughs> my mother used to like nah real like real real story my mother used to really love Lil Bow Wow when he first came out with the cornrows and the, the jersey and all that and I used to be jealous be like man I could do that too I ain't, ain't doing nothing so uh Pretty much, I ended up just, uh, you know, honing my skills. You know, one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish, because I wanted to be able to rap in front of my mother. Be like, edge, you know, I got this. So, uh, you know, a mix of 
that start plus the influence of DC followed by years of being introduced to people or uh, musical entities like Wu-Tang, Biggie, uh, Tupac, having all of that mixed together and move forward is how we got here. So Little Bow Wow, you wanted to be your mom's Little Bow Wow. Like, hey, mom, I could do this better, right? So cool. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't a little Romeo at the time. It was just Little Bow Wow was on an island by himself. You know, at that time, I, like I said, I was young. So I remember how it felt being another little 11 or 12 year old boy watching Bo go crazy. And then it was like, your sisters, your aunts. It was like, I didn't do this too. Y'all are geeking for nothing. So. That, that, that's just all it was, you know, it started when you're young, you know, you just feel in this type of way, but then you don't know, it's just like your, your untamed passion. And once you can get a hold of it, control your emotions and stuff like that, it was never about bow out. It was more like I was mad that I wasn't rapping. You know, I wasn't the one performing. I wasn't the one in front of everybody. So as I got older, I understood that. Like I said, with basketball, just honed my skills, got better at doing what I was doing. So every time I got put into that position, I was ready. And so, Cooley, when was the first time you performed in front of an audience? Was it one of your songs or was it maybe, you know, a song by Wu-Tang or maybe even Bow Wow? <laughs> Lord, my first time performing had to be, had to be at uh, Andrew Jackson Middle School. Uh, it's a talent show. And, you know, they, it'll just be like one of those little icebreaker things where the new seventh graders come in, they try and warm everybody up, like, who got a talent, this, that, and the third. And I just got up there. I remember I just started, I don't even remember what the beat was. I just started talking about what people had on in the crowd. And so when you're young, as long as you're rhyming, the kids can go, oh! So I remember just connecting my lines, connecting my lines. I probably wasn't saying nothing like, she got a blue shirt, she got a blue shirt too, and stuff like that. But everybody was like, oh! So after that, that was like my first taste. And I was like, yeah, that's what I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, little Susie got on a blue shirt. Then her little brother got on the black one. You know, you know, one, you got to work with what you had. I, you know, you ain't thugging at 11 or 12. Oh, how old are you? you? You still ain't thugging around middle school age. So, you know, you only rapping with your perspective is and freestyling. I always had an ability, you know, when you join it, you able to pick up on stuff like, visually you see it you put it into the joke and boom so I just used that technique while I was freestyling on stage and then put it together so I mean if you play it back it probably sound like a whole bunch of she got a blue shirt she got a blue shirt (laughs) (laughs) but at the time that was it (laughs) well you know those talent shows are always very entertaining because you've got (laughs) no pun intended all types of talent uh, that comes up there from the comedians to like you said the you know, introdu- introduction rappers and, you know, singers, you know, some people who do gymnastics, you know, you get a, a slew of things. And so, Cooley, when was the first time you performed in front of your mom? And does she still bring that story up? Oh, yeah, that's one of her favorite stories to tell people <laughs> because it's, it's tied into another story. Um, in high school, I ended up performing at another talent show, you know, like I said, I'm growing into it now. Instead of it just, oh, I kind of could do this. I'm like, I'm saying I could do this now. So in high school, I still wasn't like heavy on rap. I was more like R&B singing because uh, like I said, Go-Go, that was the big influence. And I wanted to be one of the lead singers in the Go-Go band. So, you know, I had to show my showcase my vocal skills. So uh, 
my mother will tell you, she'll never forget how she got up there, got into the uh, the auditorium and all of that. And she saw this little girl that she knew I was talking to and all of that. And pretty much I invited the girl out to the gym because I was going to stay to her. Ooh, and all of that. But it went crazy. I tore the place down. You know, like I said, Gogo, it gave me the, me not being like musically trained or nothing like that, Gogo gave me the template to follow. So I knew how to run for how long and all of that. So when I put it all together, pretty much I perform everybody clap, come off stage. I go to my mother, my mother like, oh, you really do this, it's really you. And I was like, oh, yep. She believed in me now, I got my bow out moment. We on, we on. <laughs> so your mom, it seems, has been like your your biggest fan throughout your whole music career, it seems, right? And so do you ever see like your mom maybe carrying like your your CDs or your um, merchandise and like, hey, here's my son. Here's my son at different like events and stuff when she's out. Uh, my mother, she go hard for the camp. I, I, I stay now because, you know, back in the day, it was back in the day. But I mean, one time T.I. was having like a little contest or something like that where not even a contest. He was just having a meet and greet. People was going up there to see him and stuff. So my mother and my aunt went up there and pretended to be two separate people. Uh-uh. Uh, like they didn't know each other. And so they both placed themselves strategically in line so that when they both came up, they gave him my CD. And then if they saw the other one, I had already put the CD down. They were like, oh, somebody already told you about this artist. I can't tell you about this artist. <laughs> and then, you know, so yeah, so she'd go off and can't real bad. You know, but front front line, front line, that's my little brother. I ain't even going he he call me right after this interview, like, oh, that's how you going? It's it's my little brother. My mother should go hard for me, but my little brother, that's number one. Like you no, know, all the songs, been at every show, been at every studio session, like he the one. So coolie, I have to ask a one-off question. Is it true as a creative and a, as a musician, you never should possibly be related to one because you never know when you're going to end up in one of their songs. <laughs> Man, it's not even that. Like, well, song definitely. You'll you'll be just listening in the car, and then a story that you like. Oh, that sounds real familiar. Oh, that's my song. But it's not even just being a part of the creative process, uh, or rather, it is. Um, but not just as far as. Uh, content but rather physically being there like sometimes i'll kidnap it. i mean like, we gotta go to the studio right quick i just want to pick up this beat one hour turn into four hours before i know it and he like i had plans and all of this so you know um he's not really worried about it plus you know i rap tight so whenever i put you in the story it's gonna sound cool i ain't gonna i ain't gonna do you dirty so you know <laughs> he, he know what come with it <laughs> Okay, look, I feel it. I definitely feel it. Well, everybody, we're going to take our first quick break right here on Guru Porsche, everyone. Stick with us.
night, everybody. Welcome back right here on Groove Porsche. I'm joined remotely with the MC slash vocalist Cooley from DC. We've just been having a great conversation about how he broke into the music industry. So Cooley, for our listeners who are tuning in, I must ask about your name. How did you come up with like your stage name? I'm assuming this is not your real name, but how did you, did this come from a song? Did this come from maybe, you know, you were in the gas station and saw something that said Coolio or how did you come nah. up with your stage name? <laughs> um, uh, it's more intimate. It, it's a nickname. Uh, pretty much, you know, back in the day when we used to join each other with your friends, yeah, had somebody had that real good joint and it stick with you. So uh, the one that was with me was uh, I looked like Cochise back when I was young. Uh, you know, just <laughs> had short nappy hair. And all that. <laughs> but it was always somebody around the way named Cochise. They used to call me Cooley High. They were like, "Oh, it's Cooley High." It came out whenever I came out the apartment and all of that. So then, uh, as I got older, it kept running the same joke over and over. They just took off the high. It's Cooley, and then you know. I started to wear it before you know it. You forget where it come from. You know, they just call you Cooley. So other people hear it. They're not thinking Cochise and stuff like that. So I'm like, hey, Cooley. So now you're just running with it. And <laughs> that's how we got where we at. You know what's so funny, Cooley, about that? There, um, There's a band that I used to listen to back in the early 2000s. Their name was similar where it came from a running joke from their high school. <laughs> and I think you probably know what band I'm talking about. Hoobastank. Hoobastank's name came from a running joke. <laughs> and that's kind of like the same with you. Isn't this so funny? How like, you know, something that was just so funny ends up kind of like staying with you the whole time, you know? <laughs> oh yeah, man. But you know, at the same time, it's, uh, it's a, uh, a quality of life that I like, you know, is you can you can call something for what it is, you know, and instead of running from that or being defensive, you learn to embrace it. And here I am now, it's my whole identity. You know, it went from being a joke to being what I stand behind. So, you know, <laughs> it, it is crazy. <laughs> yeah. And so, Cooley, for our listeners, walk us through your creative process. I'm always curious as to when you're creative, some people, you know, start with hearing the lyrics first. Some people start with hearing the music first. I've even met some people who have to put on their favorite shoes before they get creative. So walk us through your creative process. Do you, you know, do you start with writing the lyrics first or do you hear the beat first? Um, it depends. I let it find me. So like I said, uh, I'm I'm a writer first. So I'll I'll put words together before I have a beat. Um, but if I hear a beat, a beat can inspire me to write in a, a different way or a different frequency. So whatever happens, you know, I just let it come to me. But it'll start like word bubbles popping up in my brain, like how a topic will pop up. And then after that, another one. So it'll be like the first wave is just possible topics. That's why I like to freestyle a whole lot. So I can just get them all out and then whatever sounds best, I can go from that. But after the topics pop up, pretty much they, whichever one is the strongest, it like chooses itself. And then it branches out into like little lines that have other circles or other bubbles. And then it's like, all right, if we're going to talk about money, what, what, what aspect of money are we going to talk about? Are we going to talk about the outer or the internal? I mean, the external or the internal, how it affects the world or how it affects you. And then if we choose A or B, you know, dive even deeper, pretty much 
you know, it's just like the matrix. You just keep choosing the pill over and over until you get to the end. You can't choose anymore. And then when I look up, I got a song. Cool. You know, it makes me think of back in elementary school when we had to create the Venn diagrams. That's exactly what it looked like. I I not want to say it and be wrong. That's exactly what it looked like. Yeah, that's literally what I envisioned. Like if you have the first bubble as being money as in the parent topic. Then you go into the subcategories of money, whether it's, you know, $20 bills to foreign currency to, you know, whatever aspect you want to intertwine into your lyrics. Yeah. And, and it just go like that. And so, Cooley, when you're writing, you know, as you're writing, do you find that certain beats attract you? Do you have more of like the fast paced beats or like more of like the slower or do it, does it just depend on the song and the tone? Um, yeah, it's really just how the beat is speaking to me. I personally feel I, I can rap on anything. I've been rapping on anything since I was young. So literally, like you put on an old, folk songs I'm gonna make it work but uh if I had my say I think slower pace just because I can I, I can get it off a little better you know there's it, no rush to me saying what I have to say so I can construct it a little bit more eloquent or with more quality or whatever I'm going for I got more time in it as opposed to with a faster beat where you're trying to make sure that you hit in a certain cadence or you fill in a certain space without letting the song drag or miss track because it's like a it's like a hamster wheel when the beat go faster so the long as long as you stay on it you know it'll keep going but as soon as you get caught up in the little hole you start to spin around with the beat and you get lost in it so um if i had my choice it'd be more of the, the slower pace but i get off of anything so i have to ask this question to being a creative myself i'm a writer and also i do you know kind of like this type of stuff podcasting and radio show hosting so what happens when you have too many topics circling around in your head, right? You want to talk about money, then you want to talk about maybe, you know, violence in the street. Maybe you want to talk about mental health. So how do you prioritize all of them when you have kind of like that algebraic expression in your head that you can't solve? Nah, these are good questions. These are fine. Um, actually, it just depends on what mode I'm in. So, uh, when I'm writing, I got three modes. It's uh, open mode where I'm not pretty much working on any project. I'm just creating. So whatever comes to me, it comes to me. Then it's a uh, concept mode where I might have an idea of what I want to talk about. So I start rapping similar things or keeping those uh, songs close together and all that. And then, of course, there's album mode where I have one topic and I got to try my best to get around that topic as many ways as I can without losing it. So it, it really it really depends on what mental focus I'm in. But to answer your question, if I'm in an album where it's like it's one topic and how do I go about it, pretty much it's just about how it's flowing to each other. And then it speaks to, or that lets me know whether or not I have a song or freestyle or interlude because uh, what I find is best or works best for me is not fighting the feeling. You know, if, I, mm. if I'm talking about money, if for some reason my feeling is bringing me to talk to violence in the street, I got to make it connect. Otherwise, the song won't sound right to me. And then in turn, you know, me making that link, even though it seemed like a stretch or unrelated, 
that might be somebody's whole world, money and violence in the street. So, you know, they hear that piece and they're like, yo, he talking right to me. And I was just trying to make sure that everything flowed. So it's more so about not fighting the current. You know, whatever pops up, apparently I'm supposed to be talking about. So I just got to make it work. You know, I love what you mentioned about the word feeling, because that's what I often get from, you know, musicians and creatives is it is about the feeling. Even for Mm -hmm. me as a writer, like if I'm feeling a mental health talk coming up, you know, if I'm writing and I slip up and have like a word that says hobo. okay, just hypothetically, Mm -hmm. like, where did this come from? Like, this is not what I'm feeling. Then I have to scratch it all out, you know, and I'm like, wait a minute. What's this little Freudian slip going on here? And so, Cooley, for you, when you're writing based on your feeling, do you ever find that sometimes maybe things contradict? And how do you handle that contradiction? Man, first of all, yes, that happens all the time. Uh, To give you a specific example, I think about a project to go, yeah, one project ago, uh, while waiting to die was my last project. I had wrote it from the mental space of being uh, 17 again, living in my old neighborhood. Mm. And so in putting myself mentally back in my old neighborhood, my old ways, my own mannerisms and stuff like that, I started to walk around mad again, like rude. Like my, my mannerism just changed all the way up to the point where it was like, People was telling like, yo, bro, you good? You know, you, you, you're not yourself right now. And I'm not seeing no difference because this is how it was every day when I was 17. But then it's like, you know, I forget that I'm doing a project and that's why I'm in this mental state. So whatever comes to me, I can write like, okay, I'm 17. This is 17 year old me would say. But in trying to put myself mentally there, it actually affects my emotions and my actions. And I'm 17 acting. So uh, it depends on how deep the song is or how much of a connection I have to the song. I could be writing about a past love and depending on how deep the love was, even if I'm in a good situation, now I don't want to talk. So, you know, <laughs> it just depends on how I go. Cooley, it almost sounds like you do a lot of what I would call time traveling. You travel between kind of like the present and your old self. And I would say for you being the person that you are today, what is one thing that you maybe as a 17-year-old didn't see for yourself as in something that you're proud of today? What I couldn't have seen in 17, what I'm proud of today is the maturation of my patience. Uh, When I first bust out on the rap scene, I was impatient. I wanted everything right at that moment. I wanted to do everything. And in real, in in that moment, it seemed like I was just trying to light as many fires as I could, but I wasn't realizing that I was stretching myself out to the point where I was in every room where I was at everything I wanted to be at, but I wasn't my full self at that place. And then so uh, as I started to get older, uh, find myself in situations where I'm living more on my own or situations where I'm more dependent upon myself and time is more on my hands, uh, you know, developing my relationship with God and realizing that since everything is already planned out through him and all I got to do is wait for the right moment to move, you know, it, it made it easier for me to, to chill out on how I was going about getting everything. And in and, and doing that, it 
made me a quality artist. Instead of me going to every open mic, instead of me going to every situation I could to rap, although that is the culture, you know, at a certain level, once you start to feel that you're not rapping just to rap. When I was a kid, that was fun. But like, once I started realizing that like my words could affect other people, you know, I was like, you know, it's like, you gotta be responsible with your power. So that, that's all it was. And you know what, Cooley, I love that you brought that up because you're right. You know, sometimes when we, we see too much, we wanna be just like these people, but we don't realize that quantity is not always good. It's quality. Yeah, me. And Absolutely. I'm somebody who's old fashioned when it comes to music. I like quality, not quantity. <laughs> I mean, I hate to say it, but that seems to be the norm in the music industry that we currently inhabit. And that's why I love, you know, kind of like staying into my old 90s R&B music because it seems like I never left there <laughs> because the, the quality, <laughs> the quality is there, not so much the quantity. So I, I definitely, you know, appreciate you saying that, Cooley. We're going to take another quick break right here on Blue Porsche, everyone. Stick with us. everybody welcome back right here on google porsche i'm joined remotely with the vocalist and mc cooley and we've just been having a great conversation about how he got into the music business how he kind of like does his writing slash creative process and for him he's very versatile and what i would say ambidextrous so cooley let's really dive deep into your music so what are your songs titled while waiting to die says in the chorus when you die you live forever can you expound on that? Absolutely. Uh, especially anybody growing up in the city or in the city, uh, especially being a, a male of color, you experience death more often than others. And mm. so what happens in those situations is depending on the culture you come from in DC, when we lost somebody, you will put them, you put their names in, in go-go songs, you you put them on your clothes now, you get them tattooed in every chance you get, you know, you saying rest in peace to this person, to that person, but they never die. Like their name, their name is still being celebrated to this day. Like I know to this day, me and my friends still celebrate friends that we lost when we were kids. And it's like, you know, they live as long as you keep on going. And then people start asking, well, who this person you represent? Uh, why are you shouting them out? You tell their story. Now that person continues to live on through other people if they feel that same thing. And it's like, you know, for real, for real, death is not the end, like how we think, especially in the hood. When you die, for real, for real, you get a level of fame that you possibly couldn't have gotten in any other aspect of life. So it's, uh, that's what I mean by living forever. Pretty much your, your notoriety, your story of you goes farther from you dying than it would through being alive. And Cooley, that's interesting that you say that because we, now that I think about it, 
in my household, my mom tends to keep all the obituaries from our past relatives that, you know, have moved on. And, you know, and sometimes I'm like, wow, why do we keep these? You know, it's like, in my mind, it's like, it's paper, get rid of it. You know, (laughs) we have so much, so many pictures of them. But then when you're mentioning that they live forever, and you're right, because people come here all the time and ask, oh, you know, I remember when your great grandmother used to sit on this porch and tell me this, this, and this, or I remember your aunt used to do this, this, and this. And you're right. You know, it's like, you know, we, it is kind of like that weird paradigm, right? Where we're, we're dying to live, but then when we actually physically leave this earth, then we are living forever. And so Cooley, for you as an artist, you mentioned that you know, one of several of your friends, you know, have had passed on young. And when you're writing your lyrics, do you ever give a tribute to them in your lyrics? And, you know, do you ever think about what they would be like if they were here today? Oh, yeah, all the time. Uh, stuff like that, uh, those type of traumas uh, over time develop in different ways or play out in different ways. Uh, it's advised for you to, you know, to have those thoughts sometimes so that you're not stagnant in the memory of what was, and then you're not suppressed by or compressed by what actually is. But uh, all the time, these people, uh, my friends that I lost, uh, people that I come in contact with, people that I hear stories about once I've heard heard about them or been in contact with them or they've been a part of me, they are a part of me now. So for me not to mention those places is, is me like not mentioning where I'm from or, you know, uh, not mentioning my ethnicity, at least to me, it's like we are all just sums of the parts that we come in contact with. So, you know, as much as I can, as often as I can, I try to speak to, you know, any and everybody. Yeah. And, you know, Kulu, that makes me think of how, you know, they often say that we're all energy, right? So it's almost like mm-hmm. their energy kind of like stuck onto you like a magnet forever. Absolutely. And so, Cooley, for you, what is one quote that you remember from one of your, you know, past friends that, you know, passed away that always sticks with you and brings a smile on your face whenever you think about them? Oh, my pops. Every single time. Uh, It was don't be no punk B. Pretty much uh, when he was experiencing something that he didn't have knowledge of. He would, he would, you know, walk around with his chest out like, man, I'm from the streets. Me and my mother, we ain't had nothing. You know, I could do whatever, but it'd be something like creating an email address or, cause you know, he old school and, and stuff like that. So pretty much he would, he would just be like going to a fearless, you know, you could succeed or you could fail, but going into it prepared for anything is the best thing that you can do. And so that's why, you know, like I said, it even reflects back to my basketball and my music, making sure that my individual skills are up to par so that when it comes time to collectively convey them in front of everybody, you know, I have no worries and no doubts about what I can do. So don't be no punk B. <laughs> I hear that. I can remember <laughs> that. I could just hear it like, don't. Like, it's almost like you have it like above your head when you wake up and like the little you know, sign drops down like, hey, just a reminder for the day. Don't be a punk. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it'll be like, it'll be like, uh, I'm doing my workout. 
or whatever. And it's like, you got one more set of 30, you were at 25, like, ah, I'm about to tap out. And it's just like, right over here, don't be no pumping. And then just go from there. And then, you know, play on it and all your aspects of life where it's like, ah, man, I don't want to do the right thing. It's like a moral compass for you a little bit. It's like, don't be afraid to do the right thing. You know, you know you're supposed to be doing this. That's why you even having this whole thought process. Don't be no punk about it. Absolutely. And so, Cooley, for you, what do you want people to remember about you from your music, from your lyrics, from the person that you are? What do you want them to remember about you? I don't know if I'm there yet where I know what I want them to remember about me yet. I feel like I got a whole lot more to grow or more growing to do and more things to achieve and accomplish and experience. But what I would what I would want for listeners to remember from my music, from my stories and things of that nature are, you know, you're not the first person to go through something and you're not gonna be the last person to go through something, but you could be the first person in your situation to face it. You feel me? You could be the first person to logically look at it like these is all the facets of it. Why am I mad? If I can break down why I'm mad, do I got the courage to change that? You feel me? So it's like I more so want my music to be like I laid it all out for you. You know, I saw this perspective, that perspective, and then that's when I made my choice. So I want to just show everybody, like even when it looked like you ain't got no choice, you know. Look at everything. Look at your surroundings. Look at the situation. Look at how you feel. And then the choice that you make from that, whether right or wrong in anybody else's eyes, is the right decision because that's the choice that you can make. So that's more so what I would want to be remembered from my music. I don't know what I would want people to remember me yet. Like I said, I got a whole <laughs> lot more to do. I'm going to have a hotel on the moon before it's all said and done. So, you know, I I'm, that might be it. That might be it. You know, it's only one five-star hotel tell on the moon but outside of that for the music remember that everything is a choice and you have that choice absolutely and coolly you know when it comes to choices in life what is probably one choice that you made that you learned the biggest lesson from in your music uh dropping out of college uh, that was a choice i made sophomore year uh pretty much my pops and my older brother got locked up and they were the main financial source for my family. So when they got locked up, uh, my mother couldn't support us living or my family living where we were living at the time uh, by ourselves. So I left school to come home and get a job and you know help her do things like that. And pretty much it was real good for me, at least in my opinion, to leave school because I didn't know what a hive mentality was before I got to college. I didn't know, I didn't have friends that were like influential, influential like that. Like everybody their own person when you grow up in the neighborhood, things you like, things you don't like, you know, you pretty much stand on that, you fight about it. But then when you get to like socially controlled places like school, where it's, you got to talk about it and it's okay that just because you feel a certain way, something can go that way. <clears throat> Once you get into that type of setting, uh, pretty much it softens you to the point where you almost feel entitled. Like on a grander scheme, we all feel like we matter more than what we do. And the 
beauty of life is expressed in its fullest when we can take ourselves out of it and more so just focus on this actual situation. One of my favorite quotes is to get the messenger and get lost in the message. And so uh, with that being the case, uh, I really feel like it's important to take ourselves out of situations in order for us to get the best in it. Oh, you ain't kidding. I definitely agree with that, Cooley, because I know for me, kind of a similar situation like you. I had my own life. I was a TV producer, had my own place in a whole nother state. And when my mom got diagnosed with cancer, I had to let go of my TV life, um, my nice townhouse with the fireplace and the pool, you know, all the amenities and things. But for the longest time, I regretted it. I was like, man, I should have never done this. Why did I come back to this? And, you know, the whole gripe, right? But now Mm -hmm. I see why. Now I see why I was led back here from that experience because I needed to learn a few lessons while I was away you know, add that extra armor onto my already fully built armor. And I also had to have some walls torn down, right? So we, I had to build some things and then (coughs) getting led back here, like here, here's what I was preparing you for. So sometimes in the moment, it's hard for us to see that silver lining or kind of like that light in the midst of chaos. But I'm a firm believer that there is choices within the chaos, mm-hmm. within anything. I believe that. And uh, I, I absolutely resonate with that because just like you, you know, I feel like me having to drop out, me having to live the life that I did live in order to support my family brought me to music in a way that I wasn't even prepared for. Because when I first started rapping, I was just, I was just more about, you know, vanity and stuff like that. You know, when you're young, you just, I got the freshest clothes. I got the most girls, this, that, and the third. But, you know, actually being able to experience life in different facets and different perspectives, it gave me content to rap about where I didn't have to, you know, talk about nobody not doing this or this person ain't got it like me and still be able to convey what I feel is dope raps and still tell a story that's not only real, but can help somebody in their actual situation. So, I resonate with that. And I'm glad that it brought you back to this because if you don't come back to this, we're not here. Yeah, you ain't kidding. And, you know, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I love how life is a circle for a reason. You know, they say, you know, karma goes around, comes around, but also opportunities and choices go around, come around, you know, and even though, like I said, for the longest time, I'm like, man, why did I do this? Why did I do this? But now I'm like, you know what? I'm glad I did it. I don't regret my, you know, experience. Yeah, I wanted my TV career to flourish, but that's okay, right? There was a bigger plan in the works. And honestly, I like my freedom doing this, you know, because, you know, there can be a lot of, I hate to say this, politics involved in, you know, a lot of corporate spaces, as we know, there's a lot that a lot of people don't want to openly say, and that's fine. But I like having this organic, you know, connection conversation where we really get to the root, right? I feel like in the world that we live in, we don't get to the root of an issue. Well said. 
And it's true. Well, we're going to take another quick break right here on Groove Porsche, everyone. Stick with us. everybody welcome back right here on group Porsche. well coolie it has definitely been a fantastic conversation i mean you know i've learned so much about you your story your music and coolie for our listeners if they're interested in looking up your music is there a website that they can um have from you absolutely uh www.cooley c-o-o-l-e-y 47 music.com you got to spell it like you went to school, though, because if, if you don't, it's going to be a problem. And people be like, do I <sighs> music with a K, a Z, just music. C-O-O-L-E-Y-47music.com. You can also meet me or reach me on any social media platform at, at Coolie47music. Uh, Facebook is Coolie47music, all of that. If you're looking for any music, you can find me on anywhere you stream music, whether it's iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, Tidal, uh, anywhere you be listening, I'm at there. So go ahead and look me up. Same thing as you type in, C-O-O-L-E-Y. That's how you find me. All right, you guys, you heard from Mr. Cooley. You can find him, listen to his music. So Cooley, you know, I was looking on your website and one of the things that I noticed is it says, you, you were desensitized to death by your life experience. So what does death mean to you? At this point now, uh, death is just another phase in your actual life. So the way I look at it now is we born, we live, we die, and then we live past that because it's Death is, death is a constrictor on your experience of life because you're afraid to die because you're afraid of things ending. You tell yourself, I don't want to do this. I don't want to jump out of a plane. I don't want to swim with whales, this, that, and the third. So when you actually put yourself in that situation and you realize that you don't die, you make it to the other side of what you thought death was, your appreciation for that aspect of life widens so much more that now it's almost like you're walking fearless. You're ready to die. And pretty much living in uh, Northeast seven years straight the way I was, I really thought I was going to die at 21. Like, I wasn't going to make it past that. So when I got the day 22 hit, like 12.01, 22, I felt like I was in borrowed time. And then every minute after that, I was just like, you know, I was supposed to be gone anyway. So, you know, I don't have to do what I thought I was going to do. I thought I was going to live a certain way until I died. And then that time came and I didn't die. So all of this time that I didn't fill up with anything, you know, what could I do? And so that that more so is, uh, you know, what, what led to the desensitization, not what led to the desensitization, living in Northeast for seven years, how I did led to the desensitization. Waking up every day, hearing about somebody got shot on the news, going to school, 
seeing your friends not coming to school, realizing that they was the ones got shot, stuff like that, you know, it play over and over to the point where it don't seem unnatural until you go to another place where everybody not experiencing the same thing. And then it's like, oh, you got a messed up life. Are you okay? This, that, and the third. That's why a lot of us don't even know we got like PTSD and that we socially, I mean, mentally estranged out from the life that we've been living because it's just, you know, you see it every day. It happened every day. You hear about it every day. You think it's normal until you go somewhere else and realize that this is like the exaggerated things and movies that people be saying like, oh, this is why I hope this never happened. But that happened yesterday on my block. And don't nobody even talk about it. So it was just like, you know, when you get that type of reaction to it, when you see in the movie how the world's supposed to be crying about this, that, and the third, and then in your actual real life, that's not the case, you more so start to see it as normal. And then that's how you get desensitized. So I look at death now as another phase in your actual life. You either gonna actually die or you gonna be able to, you gonna start to live as if you did die. You know I mean, like no restrictions, no reservations, no inhibitions, no regrets. Cooley, that's very interesting that you bring that up. And the reason why I think, see, for me, death is transition. I think in life, we die a few times, right? And here's my example for that. When we don't get that promotion that we want, a part of us dies on the inside that hope of, oh my God, this is going to be my big break. This is going to be my big chance. Like with my, my television experience, you know, I had worked hard to get that job. I mean, I applied for it. I tell people the story all the time that I applied for the job as a joke. I applied for it as a joke and I knew it was real when I got a phone call an hour later after submitting the application resume reels everything from the executive producer of the station that says hi can i speak to portion i'm like this is her hi this is so and so from the station here um we want to do a phone screening and i said oh wow i thought i was gonna (laughs) (laughs) i didn't know it was real and then of course you know went through the whole interview process the whole nine yards moved out there took the job didn't last a year I was crushed because nobody helped me get that opportunity. I Mm -hmm. built that myself. And so part of me died for a little while. I couldn't write for a few years. I couldn't take a single picture for a few years. That hurt, Mm -hmm. that trauma killed me on the inside until the, I think the best thing that happened to me during my TV experience, my breakdown was my breakthrough to my true purpose and passion mm. in life. And so that's yeah. how I look at death is death to me is a transition and growth from one space of your life or one element of your life to the next. Mm-hmm. That's how I look at death. Cause we, you know, I think part of us dies every day, whether it's the cells no, in our brain. <laughs> no, I, I, and I, I think that even speaks to more as to how you get desensitized. Uh, just hearing you go through that process, uh, you know, for creatives, Lord, thank you, we don't get it as that detailed every single time. But like, I could imagine if if I had the door shut on me like that over and over and over, like my feelings toward rapping would change. You know, I would become desensitized to 
you know, I, I go from this is my dream to uh, I get it or I don't and stuff like that. And that's more so what it was like for being desensitized to death is like the first time you hear about it, you scared. The second time you hear about it, you angry. Then the third or fourth time you hear about it, you a mix of it. And then by the fifth and sixth time, it's just like, all right, I'm angry, but I still got to go to school. I'm angry, but I still got to go to work. By the time the ninth one happened, you know I'm a little less. You don't even feel nothing. It's not like you don't want to. It's just like you seen it. You didn't react. You kept on going. You ain't think nothing about it. But it's just like that's how it happened, you know. So I definitely agree with you. We die multiple times in many ways in life. And that I think that's what more so I was speaking to when I was saying desensitized, not to just death itself, but like the fear of mm-hmm. the overall death, like the failure, the the not being able to achieve. When you when you feel like you're not gonna live past a certain time, it's just like the president is on death row, you know, you don't care what type of trouble you get into, what you gonna do? Kill me. You know, so it's like when you got that mindset, it help, it makes you move in a certain way. And uh I can even imagine you going through that just forced you to not even I'm gonna go at this even harder, but whatever you do, do you, if you put a, a significant amount of focus on it as, as you went on into your life. Mm-hmm. And it, it took me a little while, Cooley, but when I did bounce back, I became impenetrable. Nothing, yes, nothing can rattle my spirit about it. Like, okay, yeah, some people can say, oh, well, you didn't last a year, you didn't learn a lot. I learned the job in two weeks. What does that tell you? I mean, so, and I got a lot of valuable experience out of it. My little time there that I still implement to this day, you know, the critical thinking, you know, producing and hosting my own and editing my own shows, you know, so I got a lot out of it. It just wasn't meant to be, but that's okay because there was a better opportunity down the line for me. Hence what I'm doing now. You know, so I think in life, we just have to look at, to me, death means stagnant to me also, because a lot of people who they're so afraid to die, they pretty much killed themselves in every opportunity that they aspired to embark on, whether it was a career, you know, they were afraid of what other people thought of their singing or art, photography, whatever it is. You know, I just think death really, that word scares us but really it's all about words only have meaning that you attribute to it absolutely you know and I I just wish more people would take more time to let words have their own unique meaning for you and they're going to look different just like success success looks different for each one of us success means different right some people success is monetary some people it's how many people are still behind them when they fall down how many loyal people are still with them throughout their whole life so it's all about the meaning that you put forth to those words that really gives it that hardcore concreteness so I just think more people need to have that you know well, Cooley, like I said, this has been a fantastic conversation. I learned so much from you. So, Cooley, do you have any, like, maybe upcoming shows that maybe one of our listeners, if they're around, they can catch you somewhere? Is there a new album brewing in that brand of yours? What do we got for the future, Cooley? So, I'm not supposed to say too much or too much, but I can say this fall, we back in the game. 
I can't tell you how we back in the game, but we back in the game. So for those who have been waiting, uh, thank you for waiting. We had to make sure that we we dotted all the I's and crossed the T's. But now everything is everything. So you'll see me real soon. Ain't a lot. All right. Well, we'll be on a lookout. Well, Cooley, you know, we'll be wrapping up here soon. And, you know, once again, I thank you for coming on and sharing with our listeners your story and about your music. Definitely a true inspiration. And I enjoyed listening to your albums myself. And I can say that you do have something quality in your your music is beyond entertainment for people who really can get a message. So, Cooley, for our listeners, before we close out, what advice can you leave with them today? Whether it's somebody who is an aspiring artist, musician, or even somebody who wants to, you know, be reborn again and try try again at life. You know, maybe they've had a traumatic experience somewhere, but they want to give life one more shot. What advice can you leave with them today? The advice that I can leave with them today, I'm gonna I'm I'm remix my pop shit. Don't be afraid, man. I, I can't say the, the other one, but you know, more so, let's say you was the die tomorrow. If you listening to this, let's say you was the die tomorrow. Are you content with the life you had? If they told the stories of you today, are you happy with what they gonna say? And if not, go live that life. If you can't live the life that you want right now, take the steps to it. Give yourself a purpose if you don't have one. You feel me? Because if that's not the case, you know, just like what we've been saying this whole time, that death, it, it won't just come to you in the end. It'll come to you in defeat of self. It'll come to you in defeat of mind, defeat of spirit. And then you really do that. You feel me? So don't be afraid. The first step is to not be afraid. That's it. I hear it. I hear it. You know, they always say, do is scared, everybody. Do is scared. Well, that concludes another episode of Groove Porsche, everyone. Thanks for listening. Have a good evening. Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 